Hi everybody, welcome to the Confidently Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ward. In this episode, I sat down for a great chat with Lucy Ryan, an incredible performer. You probably know her as the creator of Burlesque Superstar Ivy Page. She's also the creative director of An Evening of Burlesque, which is touring the UK right now. She's a writer, performer, actress, singer. She also qualified as a teacher. She's an incredible woman. Lots to learn from this interview. I hope you enjoy it. What inspires your creative ideas, but also what inspired Ivy? Well, what Ivy Page was like born, I guess, um, officially in around around 2004. That gosh, that makes me feel old. Um, so when, <laughs> uh, when you were at primary school, you mean? When I was at primary school, yeah. I think I've always been really interested in the role of the showgirl. And I look back at my my work. Um, I went to Dartington College of Arts. And yeah, um, for those that don't know what about Dartington College of Arts, it's, it's a real, it's a contemporary theatre um, uh, college. And that's where I did my degree. And it's very much based on kind of exploring new ideas, the process being as important as the final product. And that, and I, when I look back at the the early work, and you know, it was rough around the edges, <laughs> um, but it was very. I was exploring that role, and then I did um, a, a masters at Dartington. I'm actually doing a masters now. I did put in something different, but uh, and I did it in arts management. And part of the project for that was we had to we had to put on a, a performance, which. In all fairness, I felt a bit like, oh, hang on, I've been doing this for quite a while. Um, uh, but I decided to put on a cabaret show. And at that point, I was kind of doing cabaret and burlesque, but not really realising I was doing it. I didn't have the vernacular the, and I didn't have the perhaps the, the background knowledge of what the whole scene was. So I created this character called Ivy Page. And back then she was uh, a Victorian brothel madam. <laughs> That was a sound. That was a bit like, like from out of a the, you know a, a gothic Victorian tale. You know, she was very. Uh, I imagined her at that time to be a bit like Blackadder, like going through different um, uh, like times at times, and but she'd always be like wanting to be in charge, but secretly whispering into the ears of those that. Um, uh, would appear to be in charge so she'd be in charge behind the scenes but the name Ivy Page actually came from uh, Ivy's are like a family name uh, and also red hair I you know thought I would look good in a green costume but Page was the, the way it's spelled is a nod to Betty Page but I always envisioned that the character of Ivy Page should be a talking character and rather than just be do a striptease which would just be to take off my clothes to take off my clothes. Um, I thought I might create an act where I would like reveal bits of who I am by taking off pages of my diary. And that would be a huge costume. I really should, you know, revisit that initial idea I had. Um, and I guess I've, I've stuck to that idea of revealing things about her. Right. That's been you know, like a through line particularly in my one-woman shows, which are more narrative-based than, for example, an evening of Valeska is a variety show, but my my own shows are more narrative-based. Um, so that's how she was kind of conceived. And I took the show to the Edinburgh Festival in 2006 and I performed it at, um, 
sea venues. And that's where I was really first introduced to the world of cabaret. I, I remember quietly sitting at the back of the, um, the small auditorium watching Dusty Limits for the first time. And just my mind was blown. I was just like, what is this? I want to do this. And um, when we did our show and it was called The Powder Room and it was, people loved it or they hated it. And it was a student show, you know, it was our graduate show. So, um, but the people were queuing up to come and see it, like right around the block. We got five star reviews, we got one star reviews. So it was a real room provider. Um, and uh, the stage, I remember the stage came to see it, which, you know, as a, as a graduate show, I was, I was like, and that was really the the start of my en- like entry into the world of cabaret. Right. And that show was actually based on a poem by uh, Carol Ann Duffy called "Warming Her Pearls," um, and the poem was a is a a lesbian love story of the maid and the and the lady are in love, and the maid would wear the pearls. And again, I was still using a slight narrative, but in the cabaret format. And it just started a long love affair for me with the world of cabaret and the fact of and burlesque as well that it's like this subgenre of the world of theatre where you can have such autonomy over your work in a way that sometimes you don't get as an actor. Right. And coming from a a, a, a training of where I was very much a you consider yourself a whole artist, you could, you're a make a theatre maker. It, it was really appealing to me to to this this whole genre and it's did I know I didn't you know nearly twenty years later yeah nearly twenty years later um, I'd still be doing it actually I had no idea what an adventure Ivy Page would take me on you know <laughs> oh, it's amazing I I think I I didn't realize it started like that so that that's fantastic and I, I love this idea that you said about um, revealing parts of the character. Because, yes, there is a bit of burlesque in that. Like, literally, you're revealing parts at a time. That's the whole skill. But I wonder if you'd ever revisit that as a a kind of a straight play, as it were, that, you know, you would reveal parts of your character as you reveal parts of yourself. Yeah, I think it is something. And I'm writing a new show at the moment. I'm going, it's, it's called um, Ivy Page Burlesque Bombshell. And oh. I'm very, and that's that's going to be more of a, of course, it will have be you know a, a cabaret show because Ivy Page is a cabaret character, I guess. But it will reveal more than I have for quite some time about Ivy. Yeah, it feels to me like you love what you're doing, but you also feel that there's quite a lot more underneath what Ivy is. She's not just like a yeah, because there's the Ivy Page, the host. Yeah. And that's that is one facet of of that, but there's lots there's lots more. And I think um, you know we've had a bit of time off for, from COVID, and I actually stopped performing. I mean, we all stopped performing to some degree during right. that period. But I actually retrained and went and was working as a teacher. So um, my you know there was a while when I was thinking, you know, will I will I do that again? But I just felt like I'm not finished. Right. Yeah, I can see this. I like the Black Adder thing as well. I feel like there's a whole 
there's a whole story. There's like a novel in this somewhere, isn't it? Like the story of Ivy, how she got to be where she is. I think that's yeah, that's there fascinating. Was, there was a show I wrote, um, well, 10 years ago now, actually, 2014, um, called Kiss and Sell. And that was probably one of my favourite shows I've ever written, actually, as a, a, a one-woman show. Um, and that was about what Ivy would do to to get famous. What would you do? Right? And right. she was just ruthless. And um, and I kind of like that slightly darker undertone to the character. You know that, that I think you can explore more in that way when it's not just uh, when you're when you're introducing other people. It's a very different role and expectation. And I love doing it. It's, a, it's something that I you know. I get so much joy out of and I love interacting with the audience in that way but it is a different facet to the character yeah. and things that I might want to explore in a, in a like one woman show wouldn't work in that now this is this is a whole Netflix gothic series isn't it really yeah so, actually, that's what that's where we're going with that no I think that's brilliant um now you went to you studied at um at an arts college or an arts university yeah and obviously arts is important to you why do you think it's important or why do you think arts and culture is important to everyone well I think if you even if you just look back to what we've all just been through in the pandemic what was things that united us or we're all sat there watching Netflix and and watching films and reading books uh, and I and I think that you know arts and culture is it, it it brings together communities I think it's really good for well-being you know, um, obviously I love I'm a singer, professional singer, but I love just singing anyway. And I think, you know, there's, there's choirs, it's really important, it's really good to bring people together. And I think it's a way, I think everybody should be able to be able to express themselves. And I don't think there should, you know, there's, there can sometimes seem like there's a hierarchy, but I think all art, art and all culture is worthy um it's really you know about individual expression and I think it's a good way to bring communities together right. and that's I think like grassroots I grew up I come from a very working class background I am not from a family that go to art college that's for sure my dad worked in construction my brother works in construction my mum worked for co-op um you know but I got went to my local amateur dramatics group um at the Chatham Central Theatre and, you know, on a Tuesday night. And I think it was like two pounds or something. And um, I did that for years and got opportunities from from doing that, being working with, they would have a, a theatre company that used to work out there called the Changeling Theatre Company. And they would have a big, and they still do it now, a big Shakespeare production every summer where they would have professional actors, but they would have members of the community would be involved. So, and all members of the community, like all ages from, there was, I mean, there's probably like one little girl, she's like five with her mum, to us, we were all like 14 and 15. And it was just such an amazing opportunity because we all wanted to be actors and we got to work with actors, work with a professional director, um, do what we loved. Um, and then we also used to do a community pantomime, which would go to all the village halls, which... I think when I look back now, I think there's parts of Ivy Page which are hugely influenced by pantomime dames. Um, <laughs> my, uh, so I really, I really do think it's important um, and to make sure particularly young people are getting the right opportunities to access the arts. 
you know, having just worked as a, a drama teacher for the last two years, you know, I 100% know the healing power of performing arts for young people. And, you know, not everybody is gifted necessarily academically um, or maths and English and those types of subjects. You know, it's really important to have creativity in schools um particularly and I'm just you know I'm a really big advocate of like the grassroots level um arts and culture and having people having access to that yeah that makes a huge difference I'm doing a project with um local council here on a, an arts festival and that, that's part of it and it's the first time for me that I've been exposed to that but you see the difference that it makes to people it's, it's oh, huge yeah. Yeah, massively, massively. And you know what? One of the things I really liked working about a drama teacher is, um, you know, I'm I'm 43 now. Um, Don't be silly. Don't be silly. No one's out. <laughs> no, it's high enough. <laughs> uh, but when you're working with like 13-year-olds or and what what we think is modern, it's really different, right? And I actually loved the connection to, to youth culture. Um, and that, I found that really refreshing. Um and uh, and to see what what what's their point of view, right. what are, you know, what are they wanting, what are they expressing, what what's important to them. So, and you know, arts and arts and culture in general, I think, gives young people the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was going to say, you said it. You you think arts and culture brings people together? Um, so who comes to see you? Because you're you're bringing people together, and and at the moment, the evening of burlesque, that's a variety show it's yeah and it really is a variety so who's who's it bringing together because it seems like lots of tribes yeah do you know what it actually is and that's what I love about it I think if we're gonna say who are the demographic of our audience well they are the type of people that like to come out and have fun Uh, and and I think the beauty of an evening of burlesque is that there really is something for everyone um you know if, if if you love Marilyn Monroe and Hollywood's glamour, then you're in for a treat because you know we've literally got one of the best Marilyn Monroe impersonators in the show. Um, if you love burlesque, we've got different styles of burlesque in the show. Um, if you you know want a bit of danger and circus, we've got Matt Pang. So I think you know is there is something for everyone, and I think that 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 appeals to people. I also think it's a bit like you know after the prohibition, isn't it? Um, where we've all been inside for such a long time that particularly this style of entertainment, it, it, it's very digestible. Um, it's, it's lots of laughter. And I think, I feel, I feel from, I, can feel, I almost feel this from the audiences that people want to laugh and they want a bit of escapism. And, you know, what we offer in the show is this like, it's like a, a burlesque dream it's like almost like a tour through through this you know landscape of burlesque and and i think it's like we offer an escape i like that it's a tour through the landscape of burlesque people will find their tastes reflected by what they're seeing on stage we get lots of couples come we get lots of parties we get lots of family outings as well creativity to young people which I think is important and 
helping them understand creative thinking. Um, what about in terms of businesses? You think businesses are creative, and, and what advice would you give to businesses well, to help them become more creative? I guess about you know, I'm not going to uh, profess right now to be a, a business expert wholly, but I do run myself as a business. <laughs> By the way, yeah, I'm just going to interrupt you. You're doing like 150 dates this year and next year and like selling the shit out of stuff. And you say you're not a business person. Well, I'm a good hustler. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know, that's that's how it starts. But no, I, I true, no, I am. I do myself a disservice. I am a businesswoman. Um, and what yeah. I would say is it is actually about understanding your products um, and kind of unashamedly selling your USP um, and and. I think maybe identify what your USP is, like what what is your product for like for us, ours is an evening of burlesque if we're looking at that show. It's not an evening of cabaret, <laughs> it is an evening of burlesque. Um, that's why I think the title is actually so majestic and, and clever really, because you know, it, there's no name on there. And I often have people say to me, oh, what about the performer's names? Okay. Which, you know, is understandable. People do want to know who the performers are. Um, and you can find those all on the, uh, the socials and, you know, at the shows and things. But the actual show itself is like an entity. Um, uh, that They are a character almost in, in themselves. Right. And I think my point for businesses is to really understand what it is you're selling and um and be unashamedly proud of it um and you know i think we 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 can sometimes feel embarrassed about talking up um maybe that's just our inherent we're always quite polite aren't we but uh, as people but i actually don't feel any shame about telling people how brilliant i think an evening of burlesque is um you know i know i'm always you know very humble to our producer James Taylor and Mike Taylor from the entertainers because you know they are clever business people um they've got a hugely successful company with not just our show but you know many many shows doing right. doing dates like this so and I think it's about looking for opportunities I think it's about um not being frightened to take risks um you know Last year, I sat the cast down and I said, my vision is I want to get this show to the West End. And I just, you know, I, I don't know if you believe in the power of visualisation, but I, I very much do. And I just, in my mind, fixated and fixated on it and reworked the show, worked with the acts with the show. Our producer, James, he um, has worked tirelessly behind the scenes to 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 get this opportunity for us you know it is you know a huge part of that is all is down to him um but it's a team effort as well because obviously i have to ensure the show is of the right standard and i think you have to be really self-critical that's important in terms um as well about how you can improve uh and work with people that you trust when are you heading to london well we go to the adelphi on the 10th of october yeah that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I think it's amazing. This show has been on a journey. And I haven't been in, you know, uh, the creative director of this show for, for the entirety of the time this show has been in its concept. But this show actually first started in 2010. Um, and it's very, very, you know, many great burlesque performers that, you know, people go and watch have 
been through the stages of an evening of burlesque, but I think this particular uh, incarnation, um, you know, which I've come on board as the creative director as well as hosting it, uh, I'm really proud that we've got it to um, to the Adelphi. But my actual, but, but also, this is what I say to the cast. I said, I know it's really exciting about being in the West End. Obviously, it really is. I said, but every single venue is the West End. Like right. that's where we have to think. Um, you know, because there shouldn't shouldn't be a the West End is better than this theatre or this theatre. So all theatres, I think, are, are legitimate. You know, um, I think that goes back to what you were saying before, by the way, about um, everyone having access to arts and culture. Yeah, exactly. For example, like, I love the West End, but um, you know, I was looking at some of the ticket prices, and they are expensive. You know, I'm in Bournemouth, so for us, it's a two-hour train journey to London, so that's fine. But, you know, I'm thinking, do I want to go over Easter? Well, then it's three hours because there's engineering works and it's all stuff like that. So I go to the theatres that are near me. Yeah, and you know what? I think that's really important to support local theatres. Like, um, you know, I grew up in Medway, so the Central Theatre was always our, our you know, um, local theatre and the Brook Theatre as well there. Um, Medway Little Theatre I used to go to too <laughs> uh, but we always would go to the pantomimes at the Central Theatre it was always quite a big deal um, and I know that they are you know now they pantomimes are like the backbone aren't they of, of most of most regional theatres but without regional theatres we would not have the tour that we have. And the fact is Lucy people are paying money to come and see you because it's a good show but also because there's a desire to have that live experience. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. You know, we do live in a generation of, you know, streaming services. Uh, You know, I myself probably spend hours watching things online, particularly when I'm on tour and I'm streaming things on my phone. Um, But that's why I always feel so humbled when I look out and I think, oh, my God, we've sold a thousand tickets like these all of these people have come to see an evening of burlesque and like that I never ever take that for granted and I think I particularly because I spent last year um uh, when I was teaching and I was doing this show as well and I was trying doing both and it was to be fair it was nearly killing me (laughs) (laughs) because um but that's when this tour was really starting to like the machine started to kick off so that but you know, I, I would be teaching six classes and then run into a show. Um, and I think, well, 32 uh, year nines are a way tougher audience than um, 800 people in, um, you know, Northampton or somewhere. But yeah, we're really, I think that live experience, I think it's really important. It's magical. And I think because of a cabaret show, uh, you know, burlesque is, even though that the, the the way the show is at the moment, it's a certain structure. So it's very consistent. And I, I've worked really hard to, so it's not just a lineup show. It's a production show now, but it will always be different because the interaction with the audience will always be different. Right. Absolutely. There's something else that you said that was really interesting, and this is for other creatives. Last year, you were doing two jobs, but you were putting in the work that's paid off this year. I wonder if you could 
talk a bit about yeah your views on that yeah of course so i i i during covid um when everything shut down um i was just at a point with ivy page where i was just about to do a brand new show um to take to the edinburgh festival and it was i was at a really good point actually in my career um and then everything shut down and i for the first time since i'd left university thought well what do i do now then probably like most many people in the arts to be fair so i uh thought right well i've taught before i'm going to go and do my pgce and i did that in english and drama and i did it in english and drama because um i actually felt that having a pgc with english would make me really employable and i just at that point just thought i, ju I just need to be employable um, right. in a way that i'm not right now <laughs> uh, and and that's not that's not that i you know think that um anyone's I didn't feel like my job wasn't worthy or anything like that. I just looked at the landscape of the world right then and thought, well, yeah, it, putting a show on is not really, um, you know, my priority right now. And I didn't have a huge desire to do things online. I did a little show called Tea and Biscuits over that period for a while, but uh, I kind of wound, ended up winding that down. Um, so when I did the PDCE, um, it actually enable me to that I could do something else and that is really the first time as a creative that I've ever really gone oh okay I could do this and for that period it really gave me a focus but part of the training is you go into a school and then I went into a school and I suddenly realized that because I've been performing for so many years and I I used to write uh, be a BTEC lecturer when I just after I came out of university so I have dipped in and out of teaching a little bit but I you know I'm not an expert teacher like some of the people I have worked with since um but I did realize that I think oh I think I could do this if I don't perform anymore actually if I really apply myself I think I could be a really good drama teacher um and you know I've got 20 years of industry experience this could be I could really help young people I really enjoyed that 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 year and then when we were at that do you remember that period where shows were on shows were off shows were on and um I remember thinking I can't take the risk of going back to shows full-time because I just feel like at the moment I'm, there isn't really much to go back to so I, for the probably the first time ever I took a really sensible option and I started applying for teaching jobs and I got a job as a um performing arts teacher at a brand new school in Dartford and I was teaching um drama and a bit of music and I did that and I had to like set it all up from scratch um yeah I really enjoyed the pastoral pastoral side like being a form tutor right. and you know helping to develop and and um uh, encourage young people but what I realized is actually going into another career at this point in my life is it's interesting because you have a whole wealth of experience in your chosen field and I'm a, you know I guess an expert in my field but I'm not an expert teacher and that was quite quite a uh, interesting pill to swallow as it were because you you realize oh there's all this I have to learn and people of my age who are 
I was meeting her teacher who'd been doing it for 20 years. It was it was it was a very interesting time. And I guess I I decided to quit teaching, not because of nothing to do with the schools or um, the young people themselves. It was a real case of I actually think if you work in education, I think you're a hero and a legend. <laughs> and it's really important job, a really important job. And I couldn't at that point give it 100 percent anymore because I knew shows were coming back. Um, and uh, that's why I decided to, to, you know, to not do it. But it may be something I go back to. I'm actually doing a master's in um, an, an MA in education. Partly that is I was meant to do it last year. Um, and then I deferred because I was just too being a, a brand new teacher. So <laughs> right. That's a lot on itself. But actually, it's quite interesting because I'm looking about creativity and, and um, you know, creativity in schools. And that's an area that I am interested in. So, yeah, it's massively important. I think if um, if kids are just learning how to take tests, I don't think that's really what we need necessarily. If you do need to think creatively and see stuff's not black and white, you know. Yeah. And, and then when you're creative, you can see that better. And I think as well, like there is a there's a bit of a preconceived idea about creativity that people just think it's drama. Well, actually it's not, is it? It's science. It is maths. It is computer yep. science, you know, um, it's making music. It, it's not just age old, you know, idea that we're all rolling around on the floor pretending to be trees. You know? Exactly. You know, or wearing a pink scarf and having jazz hands, but I mean, we can do that as well. Yeah, exactly. I always say to people, I always say somebody designed your fridge. Yeah. Right. and they designed the color and they designed the look and they thought about well, which way will that door open and that's creative thinking but if you're not exposed to it you'll never know it um who's your creative hero by the way you mentioned someone called uh betty page earlier on but i don't know whether she's a creative hero or whether no, you're another not my creative hero. hero she's somebody that i admire. you know she's a was a, a burlesque performer many many right. who is you know somebody that uh important to the burlesque scene but my my personal favorite um artist is actually kate bush um, love it uh, i first heard kate bush when i was 14 and i i was literally like i don't know i felt like this is music for the soul and um i've got every album and i just i love i love 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 her music like just amazing ly- lyrics like one of my, it's from Song of Solomon. It's a, uh, I'm not particularly religious, but I love this lyric. And it, it, it says, uh, have you ever seen a picture of Jesus laughing? Do you think he had a beautiful smile? I know, I know, it's so profound. And like another, another one of my favorite lyrics of Kate Bush is, um, I want you as the dream, not the reality. Each song is like a, a work of art in itself. Yeah. And I like to listen to Kate Bush. How I come up with my own ideas is, is I listen to lots of music. I'll like lie there with my eyes shut. And my partner will be like to me, you're working, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I have to like, like ruminate over things. And if I get an idea in my head, I like, I like let it float about, is what I would say. And if I can't stop thinking about it, and thinking about it and that's like i obsess about it then i know that okay that's a winner no that's true that's the um creative process isn't it you've got to immerse yourself in it first of all and if you can't immerse yourself in it it's not the idea for you 
yeah exactly I think. and sometimes you have to come up with one idea to get to the next yes absolutely and that's like you go through it and you think oh this is a great idea and then you sort of look back at it and go hmm not not right yeah, now yeah, actually, yeah, actually it's a yeah. bit shit there yeah. but keep it i always say to people never throw those away i mean keep them because it will come back to you but we bought a record player last year and i've been uh slowly like building it buying all her albums on vinyl right. and uh, i said something really magical about them being on vinyl and like looking at all the artwork again and i don't know maybe i'm being nostalgic but um it's just the the sound of it. I love it. Well, it's tangible, isn't it? Because you you can listen yeah. to it and you can hold. Because that the the artwork is part of the creation, wasn't it? So yeah, and again, I guess it's that what it made me realise actually buying a record player is that I flip. I've got used to streaming songs, so I flip. I don't listen to albums anymore in the way that I used to. Maybe as a teenager, you know, when you go and buy your album from Woolworths. Right. <laughs> um, and it's been really nice to like start to listen to whole albums again and go, oh, this is like, it's it's the story the artist wants me to hear. There's a reason why the songs are in this order. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that will affect how you put your next show together? Yeah, I think maybe it will actually. Um, I think our brains have become slightly rewired to how we watch and listen to things. It's very quick, isn't it now? And very accessible. Um, interestingly, I find reading harder now um, than I used to, maybe even like five or six years ago. And I think that's maybe because scrolling and dipping in and out, it's like actually focusing. And Though it's still a great escape. I still, I love to read. Oh yeah, me too. Who's your literary hero? Uh, Margaret Atwood, yeah. Angela Carter, The Handmaid's Tale. That's that's my favourite book. You know, I, I love what they've done with the TV series, but um, the original book for me is just the... Sometimes I find it difficult if you read a book and watch the film and then you read the book again and then you end up only hearing those actors' voices in your head. Right. And they're not the people that were in my head before. <laughs> right. Yeah, they didn't look like that when I was... Yeah. Them, like... you know. Yeah, it's true. Um, out of your work... What's the what's the creative work or the show, or whatever the piece that you've created that you're most proud of up to now? Um, well, there's a few. I'm really, really proud of an evening of burlesque. Okay. Really, proud of it. I I feel like, you know, to come back after the pandemic in you know in in such a strong format, um, and to you know have the acts themselves. I'm I'm really proud of everybody in the show. Uh, they are a brilliant team, but I'm really proud of the fact that the you know people how the people are receiving the show, um, all the dates we've got, and I feel, I feel like it's a real achievement. Do you feel like creatively or commercially, or combination of the two? A combination of the both, actually. Um, a, definitely a combination of the both because I'm the creative director, but the actor themselves are responsible for their performances, and I think that's really important to acknowledge because that's one of the beauties of variety performances. How I see my job is, for example, um, let's take Belle de Beauvoir, her act at the beginning. Um, she's the first burlesque act after me, so the first, uh, so her act is her act, but what I've done is like direct her to just find those moments where we can maybe bring it out more um how we can help tell the story of it uh and then you know i will see the vision for a big stage 
So, uh, you know, we've added dancers and choreography, but again, it's always in dialogue with the performer. So it's not like just when you're working with actors and you've written a play and it, it's like to the letter of what the play is, for example, it's a different relationship as a director. Um, and and I think it's a it's a really wonderful relationship to have with the performers because they have to initially accept, like trust you um, with their baby, um, yeah. but also I have to see the whole picture. Um, yeah. And I feel like and you know there's the magic of the show I've I've really tried to work on all of the transitions the fl- the the flow and the arc so it isn't just one on off on off you know it's very different I don't come on every single time now to introduce every single act I'm like how, how else can we do this what right. um so I am really really proud of the show and I think there's more to achieve with it um it's not finished uh but then I think if you think that as an artist then you're always evolving aren't you like um, and I think that's the part of the journey and commercially I'm really proud of the show I'm really proud of when I look at the tour sheet and I think, wow, you know. Um, proud and a little bit scared. Yeah, yeah, proud and a little bit scared. But um, aside from an evening of burlesque, um, I was really, I was really proud of what I achieved on The Voice. Yes. Um, oh, we haven't a... even mentioned that, have we? No, I know it's funny. Uh, these things keep popping up on my uh, like social media timelines, you know, reminding me. Um, I'm really proud of that. I had an, a wonderful time doing it. Caused huge amounts of tabloid uh, stories and <laughs> interest, which was fun. Um, I guess it's because of coming from the world of cabaret and burlesque, but uh, it's always going to be, people are always going to think it's provocative and it is to some certain degree, isn't it? But um, yeah, I, I, you know, I really loved that experience and, and I did, it was a good uh, stepping stone for my career, actually. How did that come about, by the way? How did you get involved in all of that? So I was actually out for my my birthday party in uh, Soho in 2017, it would have been, at Ronnie Scott's. And um, they've got, they're upstairs at Ronnie Scott's, they have like an open mic night with a band. But everybody that gets up and sings is like, <laughs> just unreal. Right? Really? And um, I went there with my friends and I was like, come on, let's go, let's go. And they were like, are you going to sing? I was like, no, no way. Um, they were like, sing, sing, sing. Anyway, I had a couple of like, vodka and lemonades at this point. And I was like, yeah, I'll sing. Um, even though I am actually a singer, but it's just that everybody, it's like, I get nervous. Everybody was so good. And they were all really like brilliant, what I would call pop singers. And that's not my obviously my style. And then uh, I went up to the band and I said, oh, can you do a really sleazy version? fever and they were like yeah sure and they had three backing singers these women were unreal they're just harmonizing with everyone anyway so we did it and it went down like an absolute storm and then I didn't realize but one of the backing singers was a uh, uh, like an A&R for, for for them and then she messaged me saying would I be interested in being put forward to apply for the voice and I was I thought about it for a while and then I thought yeah, you know what I've got nothing to lose. So I did. And then I went in and I had to do an audition, first audition, which is where you audition in front of a vocal coach and uh, 
effectively like a runner, I think. Um, so then I got through that audition. Then you get invited back. And then that's when you have to sing in front of all the producers. And I was really nervous in that one. And you have to prepare nine songs. Wow. Like sl three slow, three mid, three uh, fast. And they might choose one, they might choose three, they might, you know, so you don't, you have to know them all really, really well. Um, and at that point, at that point as well, and I was thinking, should I do it as Ivy or Lucy, Ivy or Lucy? And I thought, no, I'm doing it as Ivy Page. That's my selling point. Again, go back to the question you said about me, about your brand and business. I was like, that's what's going to make me stand out. I turned up in a costume. <laughs> I thought they're either going to think I'm mad, right? right. Which is probably good TV, but... Um, but also, you know, I am an artist, as Ivy Page. She's my, like, stage character. And then I did that audition. I, what You work with a vocal coach on that day. And I wasn't sure, to be fair, how that went. And I kind of walk, walked away and I, and I thought, hmm, 50-50 of how that goes. They'll either get me or they won't. And then I got, I think I had to wait quite a while from that one to hear and then I got the phone call to say I had got through to the live auditions. Yeah, it was a it was a really good experience though. I, I really did enjoy it. And um, you know, they see as soon as I knew that I was gonna be singing Why Don't You Do Right, I just was like, Yes. There was other songs that, that were suggested. Um and uh, when that was that was in their suggestions. I didn't actually suggest that song. But okay. Um, but it's now like you know I've been singing it for years um, but they'd suggested some other ones and actually some of their other suggestions were really like I really did like but as soon as that was on the list and I just was like well obviously I'm going to do that one um, and I just remember thinking to myself it doesn't matter what happens you're going to get the best show of your life out of this and True. you know and uh, and, I, you know, I, I, all this stuff that happened with Ollie Murs, that was all real, by the way. I was like, isn't that all fake? I was like, no, not at all. It was uh, tongue-in-cheek. And um, and I know that the editing with the, a little bit with Jennifer Hudson was slightly played out to look as if she had, you know, a bit like, towards me. But actually, she was really nice to me. She said really nice things. No, I thought, I thought it was amazing. And it was absolutely striking because it was so different. Like you said about in Ronnie Scott's, people had pop voices. Whereas you you came with not singing a pop song in that sense, yeah. But what I I think was the most amazing to come out of it, and this is no disrespect to any other competitors on that show or other TV talent shows, but you never became Ivy Page from The Voice. Do you know what I mean? No, I do, and that is really purposeful. Right. Uh, I was very much to my manager at the time. Um, I have loved this experience, and I will use this experience but I'm never, I don't want to be on every single poster for eternity that um, this is the pinnacle of what I've achieved. That's, right. that's, that's a, a, a brilliant chapter. Let's get on to the next. All right, because the pinnacle is going to be the Ivy Page Gothic Victorian Netflix series, exactly. by the way. And you heard it here first. <laughs> okay. So um, I've got two more questions, if you don't mind. Yep. First of all, um, I'd love to know, what you're working on right now? Well, I am working on an evening of burlesque. Um, I'm really excited to be going to the lighthouse. Um, so we are busy 
kind of we've been we've got a brand new um opening to act two so uh okay. about that um with our fabulous Lashila showgirls where I'm singing a song and the Lashila showgirls are in it too and we've got this fabulous new um, um I'm not actually I was going to tell you but I'm not going to tell you everyone has to okay. watch come and see the show find out so I'm working on that I'm also working on my new show Ivy Page Burlesque Bombshell which is going to the Edinburgh Festival so I'm working on that so I'm in the middle of writing that show at the moment um and then I'm gonna uh, develop <laughs> that um and I actually I've just started to um write a book so I'm I'm not sure where that's going to end up but it's something I've always gone oh, I want to write a book I want to write a book I want to write a book and um I think you just have to get on and do it don't you is it a fiction or yeah it's a fiction book and it, it's it's based around um like the world of cabaret and burlesque and an ivy page um but yeah so i'm I, I don't know where that would take me but that's uh, uh that's brilliant yeah. this is the final question before your dog loses it totally because my dog is actually outside <laughs> the door and she's gonna oh, he is. oh wow <laughs> he's called leo hello leo she, he's already a star on instagram isn't he so. <laughs> yeah he is <laughs> so you started, um, I did the same thing, actually, Youth Theatre Company, which is just absolutely fantastic for me. Uh, is there anything you would say to young men, young women, boys, girls that want to do what you're doing? Any advice that you think you might share with them? Yeah, I would say be unashamedly yourself. Um, I've had so many people tell me no, tell me I can't sing, tell me I'm not good enough. Um, yeah, over the years all kinds um i've been various different body shapes and sizes over the years as well and have encountered different um you know ways i've been treated because of that uh positively and negatively um but the whole time you know i have been tenacious in what i wanted to achieve and yes listen to people that you trust but sometimes just listen most important person listen to yourself listen to yourself and make your art and make it, you know, be proud of what you want to be proud of what you put out into the world. Um, be unashamedly yourself. That's what I would say. I think that should be the title of your autobiography, by the way. What the uh... unashamedly yourself? Yeah, that's great, actually, isn't it? That's 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 your TED talk as well. Uh, do you know what? That is on my list. I actually really like to do a TED talk. I'm going to put that. I'm going to put that out into the universe. Thank you for listening to the Confidently Creative podcast with me, Jason Ward, and of course, my special guest, Lucy Ryan. You can subscribe free of charge to the podcast. So please don't forget to like and share. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Ward Creative. I'll see you soon.